Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 12, issue 554. Today, we're going to talk about Shadow Dancer. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue are Chris Worthington. Good evening. And Rich Davison. Woof. <laughs> gravelly sampled woof. <laughs> arp, arp, arp. Uh, Patreon subscribers and supporters may remember from just a couple of months ago when I announced these shows that uh, we promised you a one credit Ben Cartledge on this show, but sadly his organised fighting schedule has uh, has rather taken over his life uh, at the moment, and so he wasn't able to join us for this one. But don't worry, he'll be back, Ben fans, for other shows this year. I am certain. Just the three of us then, but uh, you can possibly. Even if you're not uh, native to the UK, you might be able to tell us apart via our varying accents. <laughs> so Shadow Dancer and Shadow Dancer colon The Secret of Shinobi are two very closely related but distinct games. They are 2D side-scrolling shuffle and slice ninja action games. And if that sounds familiar and you joined us last year, yes, it's the sequel to Shinobi. The young ninja battles together now with his faithful pet dog in the centre of the city, a group of terrorists are committing crimes, including the planting of time bombs throughout the metropolis. That's in the Mega Drive version, at least. Mm. Our youthful hero and his canine companion courageously set out to gather all of the explosives placed by the evil gang and annihilate the syndicate that manipulates them, according to Sega Retro. Now, do we have any history with this game? Rich, I seem to recall that with Shinobi 1, it was your Master System uh, background that was uh, what brought you here. Is that the case with Shadow Dancer as well? Yeah, but it's not quite as, as deep, which is a bit of a falsity because it was never really deep with Shinobi for sure. Mm. But um, the only memory that I can conjure up of playing Shadow Dancer was loaning it from a kid down the street along with a copy of Bonanza Brothers on the uh, Yes. Sega Master System in exchange for my copy of uh, Wonder Boy 3. And I think I know who came off better in that exchange. Permanent swap, <laughs> was this? It wasn't. No, it was in the halcyon okay. days when you could trust people with your belongings, you know. Um, <laughs> fine, fine. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, to be honest with you, I don't really have a, a great memory of that period. I do remember the dog quite vividly, which was a distinction, mm -hmm. obviously, between this and, uh, and Shinobi. Dog lover and, and owner yourself? We should say. Indeed, yeah. yeah. And I've long mooted what kind of dog it is. And I, I think I'm going to go with an Akita, but we might have a oh, possibly a conversation okay. about this later. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, very, very poor memories of, of playing Shadow Dancer. I, I remember specifically the, uh, the the initial level of the Sega Master System, which is the, it's basically a port of the, um, of the arcade form and yes. distinct from the Sega Mega Drive. But um, never really got too far. I found it to be exceptionally difficult in the same yep. way Shinobi was. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we were putting our nominations sort of in the the kind of fabled Kahneman spreadsheet, I saw an opportunity to, to put myself as Amber there. And uh, you'll probably find out by the end of the show whether or not I regret that decision. But um, yeah, please do it. Please do have played it. In terms of the um, Sega Mega Drive game, no history whatsoever. So it was quite a shock to find that it was very different mm -hmm. in terms of uh, content, theme, and difficulty from the, the arcade and Sega Mega Drive, uh, Sega Master System one. Yeah. And I don't think I've actually seen a a copy of the arcade port in the wild, but the arcade's no. a little bit of a mm. an interesting scene for me. I don't, I don't have that kind of storied relationship that some of the other members from the team do have. Yeah. So I feel definitely like a bit of an imposter on the show, but oh, I, no, no, I've no, tried no. to do my due diligence and sure. uh, see what I can do. 
and I have a, a clear of the arcade game and the Sega Mega Drive to my name now, so hopefully I'm coming in with a little bit of knowledge. Fantastic. Chris, how's about yourself? Do you remember this? Uh, I, I, I reckon, I'm guessing, I'm just going to take a punt that mm-hmm. you played first, you played one of the home computer conversions, <laughs> or is that terribly unfair? That's absolutely spot on. Boom. So, yeah, Amiga for me. Yep. This Shadow Dancer until probably two months ago was an Amiga game. Right. For me, first and foremost, I had this real recollection going into playing it over the last six weeks or so, six weeks to two months, that the Amiga port had reviewed really, really well. We'll come uh, on to that, I'm sure. but it, Not terribly. No, not terribly, but also not brilliant. Mm. I, I really, really liked the Amiga game back in the day. I think it Excellent. came out, I think it was about 1991. Correct. Yeah. came out alongside... Yeah. The sort, of, sort of the same time as the 8-bit ports. Well, by that time, I'd moved on from, from a specky and was very much... Very, that was the halcyon of the Amiga days for me, really, 91 to 94. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes. I used to love it back on the Amiga. I couldn't get very far. In fact, <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure I ever got past the second the second mission, the second stage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, which, to be honest, there's a story in that as well because that's kind of where I hit the wall on the on the arcade version. But... Yeah, so so very much an Amiga game for me, historically. I, 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 like Rich, I don't have, even though I grew up in Liverpool, which isn't a million miles away from, from North Wales and, and the, um, what I'm sure was a massive arcade team around there, yeah. I don't have a huge amount of history, as listeners to Retro Asylum will, will know, with, with arcade games. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I don't think I've ever seen Shadow Dance of the Arcade Machine in the wild. I was racking my brains to try and remember whether there is one at Arcade Club. I can't remember that there is. I don't think there is one in Berry. No, no, no. So, if so, yeah, I'm sure it's not a rarity out in the wild. I just don't think I've I've ever seen it, Uh, and it's actually not an easy arcade game to play because it's not like the original Shinobi where it's been released on all kinds of platforms. As far as I'm aware, yep. So. Yeah, so for me, it's an Amiga game. The Mega Drive version, I was I was very much aware of from afar when I was younger. I didn't have a Mega Drive back in the day, but I used to read the multi-format magazines, and I was aware that Shadow Dancer on the Mega Drive was very different to what I was playing on the Amiga. Uh, and I, I only came to Shadow Dancer when I got the... It, the uh, it's on the Mega Drive Classic Collection, isn't it? Uh, the one yes, that released yeah. on the Switch. Yep. So that's when I first played it, probably two, two and a half years ago. And uh, like most of these games, you know, when you get these collections, you have a quick uh, 15, 20 minutes. Oh, yeah, this is the game. This is, this is mm-hmm. really good. It's got a good reputation. I'll have a quick go. Oh, it's really difficult. I'll switch it off and play something else. And yeah. did never go back to it until six weeks ago. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, my history does start at the arcades, but actually I do yeah, I don't remember it being uh everywhere like a lot of games were, but it was it was around like you'd see it from time to time. But weirdly, I don't remember I was never that drawn to it or I was because it looked cool and I like dogs as well. I grew up yeah. with dogs. And I think it was I, I I liked the name, but the fact that it was called Shadow Dancer rather than Shinobi Two made me think that it was like a guide rather than an actual sequel. But yeah. I think really it is a sequel sequel. Uh, and I remember trying to play it at least once, and yeah, just finding it really difficult, not really understanding the dog mechanic um, or how you were supposed to use it. Mm. Uh, One hit deaths, which is something we'll talk about 
of course, in, in this show. And I probably ran my credit out pretty fast and kind of never thought to go back to it. And then my next Shinobi experience would have been a game we're covering later this year on the podcast, which is the, the first uh, exclusive Mega Drive one, the Super Shinobi or Revenge of Shinobi. Yeah. And that one I, I loved straight away. And you got a health bar and um, you could take quite a few hits before you lost a life. And it was tough, but challenging and, uh, and it felt a bit fairer and I wasn't throwing yeah. in 30 peer time. So uh, I, I kind of, and at that point, like I knew Shadow Dancer was available on the Amiga and it wasn't meant to be a terrible port. I knew there was this Mega Drive version. I wasn't really conscious of how different it was. Um, and yeah, I just never really revisited it until I got my Astro City Mini yes. console last uh, last year or the year before. And it's one of the arcade machines that's emulated nicely on there. One of the only downsides of that nice bit of kit is that unlike other mini consoles it doesn't even let you tweak the options on any of the games so oh you've got no, no dip switch sliders <laughs> you can't change you can't change the number of lives you can't change the uh, number of uh, one-ups you get or anything like that or the difficulty or the bullet speed of the enemies or anything you are just locked into default dip switch settings <laughs> um and you do have save states, though, mercifully. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't be here today. <laughs> Cause, uh, yeah. But, you know, I watched a, I watched a, a one-credit playthrough of this uh, over the last couple of days, oh, and yeah, it is entirely possible to yeah, do yeah, it. So sure. it's, not, it's not broken. It's not like it's not a game that is categorically unfair and you cannot beat it because you can. It is provable, but it's just extraordinarily exacting. And you have to know exactly what's coming and learn by failing and, and persist and have great hand-eye coordination, motor skills and reactions to kind of get the most out of it. But but yeah, you can find videos that make this game look very fair and easy indeed. Um, so yeah, and the Mega Drive version, as I say, I think because I was a little bit put off the arcade version and I hadn't quite clocked that the Mega Drive version was uh, one of those games where they'd made a effectively made a, a consumer version for the home quite different i never again i never got around to getting it so stuck with super shinobi and shinobi 3 yeah and um it was only once i got my mega drive mini 2 last year that uh that i got uh shadow dancer up and running again on the mega drive um and yes i've also played that through for the show which is I think we'll say it is easier than the arcade game overall but <laughs> it still has one hit deaths and it has is, its moments, for sure, that game. So what we're going to do in this show is we're kind of going to go through them both together and talk about the differences as we go rather than one game and then the other. It seemed to make sense to me. Yeah. The developer of both is obviously Sega. Uh, different teams, though, within the arcade machine was directed by Motoshige Hokiyama, who, wherever I look, has uh, a CV that is um, different and not complete. But it seems that maybe he worked on Scramble Spirits just before this, but or this was his first game. Uncertain. Uh, he went on to work uh, on things like some of the 8-bit Sonic games like Sonic the Hedgehog Triple Trouble and Sonic yeah. Drift 2, things like that. Um, beyond that, I don't know. The CV goes quiet after about 2003 when he directed Super Monkey Ball Jr. And... Mm. Um, Nothing, nothing since, as far as I can see. Uh, Keisuke Tsukahara returns as the composer from Shinobi. The Mega Drive game uh, was uh, designed by Tomohiro Kondo, credited as Mu, and 
has a, has a, an interesting CV, but includes titles such as Radmobile, which is also on the Astro City Mini, <laughs> which was uh, a cool uh, racer, which had uh, which was famously the first appearance of Sonic the Hedgehog in a Sega game as a a little ornament dangling from your rear view mm. mirror on the car and asked you to use uh, extra buttons to switch on lights and windscreen wipers and things like that. It was good fun. Mm. And he was also the director on Panzer Dragoon's Vi, which is one of my all-time epic shelf favourite games. So uh, I have a lot to thank him for. Also mm. on the art of the Mega Drive version, the legendary Rieko Kodama, a.k.a. Phoenix Rie, uh, was, uh, was heavily involved. In, and, of course, sadly, I don't know if we've had cause to uh, to RIP uh, her on this show before because uh, we learned latterly, it was towards the end of the year that the gaming world learned that she passed away. It was actually on the credits of the Mega yeah. Drive Mini 2. Um, but it turns out she died somewhat earlier in the year and it just it had been kept quiet or hadn't been made public for whatever reason. Uh, the arcade system was a System 18 board for Sega, which is the same as Golden Axe. See our Golden Axe show, but also uh, some others, including things like Alien Storm. I couldn't actually find out what megabit the Mega Drive cartridge is, but I'm guessing it's eight based on the content of the game and the time of which the game was released. I think there's too much in there for it to be a four megabit game and not enough for it to be more, but I'm, I'll happily be right. corrected. Yeah, yeah it, look, it has the look and feel of, a, of an early 90s eight megabit game to me. Yeah. The arcade machine was released in North America first, according to records, in May 1989, arrived in Japan in September the same year, and then the rest of the world in November 1989. The Mega Drive version arrived in Japan and North America in December of 1990, and in EU and other territories, I suspect, in May 1991. That Master System port that Rich mentioned was released in June 91 exclusively in Europe and Brazil. Yeah. So no Japan or US release for this popular American and Japanese Shinobi game. Although this version bears the title Shadow Dancer, The Secret of Shinobi, as per the Mega Drive game, it's actually based on the arcade version. <laughs> and in the game, it's just called Shadow Dancer. However, much of the content from the arcade version was, of course, cut and play mechanics modified. Missions now consist of a single side-scrolling stage and boss encounter, the player's canine companion no longer follows him around, how sad, but can still be summoned to kill certain enemies from a distance. So is that right? Does does the dog actually kill them in this one rather than wrangle them? I mean, define kill in a like, 8-bit <laughs> system, I suppose, right? They disappear in a, yeah, a yeah. sort well, of that, explosion. That's different. Um, that's different to the other versions. Yeah, yeah uh, mechanically, it, it it's a slightly different proposition. It's, mm. it's very clumsy. There's a lot of kind of uh, um, sort of finagling the controls. I think really the challenge is that actually it, it's essentially a very ineffective way to play the game because you need the enemy on screen to be able to summon the dog, and by the time yeah. the enemy is on the screen, you know you need to have done something already. Better than. <laughs> so it, it's largely just for show. I wouldn't say it's particularly very effective. Fifth wheeler dog. Uh, collecting time bombs is now an optional task that the player can conduct while on his way to the goal. When the player gathers all five time bombs in each mission, he will gain an attack power-up for the next boss battle. The attract sequence now shows profiles for the protagonist, who is named Fuma in this version, and most of the enemy characters. So yeah, the Mega Drive version has been released a number of times on different formats on the PS2 yeah. and PSP as part of the Sega Mega Drive or Genesis collection. Back in 2006-7 from Digital Eclipse, 
Then the uh, the PC and Mac got the version that's still there on Steam to this day on the Sega Drive, Sega Mega Drive, and, and Genesis Classics store page, uh, which arrived in two thousand and ten. So that's been there a long time. Seventy nine p or one dollar will get you Shadow Dancer, and I think the the actual the wrapper is free to install. So. You can play that pretty cheaply, although the emulation on those versions is not the best. Yeah. Same goes for the uh, the version that came to PS4, Xbox One and Switch under the title Sega Mega Drive or Genesis Classics Collection. Yeah. 3DT is, is the uh, developer uh, that arrived in 2018. Loads of people have this because it's bristling with titles and often very cheap. And it is, you know, it's a cool compilation, but yeah, yeah the emulation is not elite tier no it's uh it's basically very bog standard there's i think there's some input latency some audio latency and the visuals aren't perfect but if that's if that's what you've got and you just want to see the game then it's it'll do you yeah the arcade version got its first re-release as i say on the astro city mini which arrived in 2020 or 2021 depending on where you were and that mega drive mini 2 mega drive version which was curated beautifully by m2 and is a wonderful little bit of kit that I can't recommend highly enough, arrived in 2022. Features some mega CD games and uh, all kinds of niche goodies as well. It's a really cool little device. Reviews at the time for the Mega Drive version. We've only managed to gather four together, but it averaged 80% on game rankings. So not not as highly rated as the game that would come after the Shinobi, but actually did... I'm now I'm now doubting myself. Did did the Super Shinobi arrive on the Mega Drive before the conversion of Shadow Dancer, possibly, which may have affected things? I'm not sure it did. So the Revenge of Shinobi was 1989, wasn't it? That was the first. That was just after the launch of the Mega Drive. Yeah, and then the first... we had Shadow, Shadow Dancer in 1991. Uh, but uh, so it was December 1990 in Japan, Shadow Dancer. So yeah. Uh, so that is that is after the first that is after the Super Shinobi came out. I think most it was it was definitely the second Shinobi game to appear on the Mega Drive. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, that's uh, interesting into itself. Yeah. In 2010, Retro Gamer magazine declared the arcade game to be inferior to the Sega Mega Drive 1990 game. <laughs> <laughs> Let down by surprisingly stodgy controls, uninspired level design, and a really frustrating difficulty level, according to <laughs> Wikipedia. The Steam user reviews for that $1 purchase are positive from 18. <laughs> a massive 18 people who have uh, rated <laughs> the, the Shadow Dancer Mega Drive game on there. It's, inc it's incredible, actually, how much, how well, how little attention shadow dancer seems to have had over the years yeah yeah you know, i mean given it's not a huge departure from the first game in terms of mechanics yeah, yeah. it just seems to have been almost the forgotten sibling of the first shinobi yeah. game i completely agree and um yeah the the sort of the lack of uh, listener correspondence and forum correspondence yeah. we got for this show suggests uh it's a bit of a yeah the response is a bit tumbleweedy um yeah with, Gratitude to uh, to the Mr. Ixalite who has, has, has <laughs> solitary to contributor. Post. Yeah, it, it is a it's a difficult proposition though. I mean, coming back and giving a review or some feedback on a game that is as exceptionally difficult as this one is, I yeah, mean, you'd have yeah. to really dedicate yourself to try and sort of squeeze a little bit of insight as You're to you know the the fundamental differences between it and its predecessor and some yeah. of the perhaps more prolific games that came after it. 
No, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, this will be of interest to listeners nonetheless, and um, you know, certainly as a as a a key game in what is a, a fairly well liked series of of pretty cool action ninja yeah. action games. Even though it might be the one that gets the least attention, it would have been remiss of us to skip straight past it. I feel. Yeah. The plot goes in 1997, at least. I think this is the Mega Drive plot. They are subtly different. In 1997, which was the future then, of course. Far-flung future. Yeah. Scary, dark future times. An evil group called Union Lizard, terrifying, has taken over New York City, turning most of the city into ruins. The few citizens who survived Union Lizard's onslaught of chaos are now kept prisoners by its members. A ninja warrior, accompanied by his faithful dog Yamato, emerges from hiding to combat Union Lizard's reign and rescue the hostages. The identity of the protagonist, which is kept ambiguous in the in-game opening, varies between supplemental (laughs) materials. The Japanese manual identifies him as Hayate, son of Joe Musashi from the previous games in the Shinobi series, while the English language manual identifies him as Joe Musashi himself, coming out of retirement. The names (laughs) of the enemy bosses are also different between the two versions according to the shinobi wiki yeah there's definitely bigger fans than us of this game out there uh, there's a shinobi yeah. wiki there's a, there's a not a great deal of um similarity between the arcade well certainly speaking if the uh, sega master system is um representative of the uh narrative of the arcade there is a, a big difference it's a bit more is it once more domestic and at the same time a lot more sort of broad in its scope it deals with mm. um like family conflict between Musashi and his his son and his son's dog, and then ultimately ends up in a ninja basically like ending world um, potential domination by a New York gang as uh, they kind of try and launch a, uh, I guess, a space shuttle into space to do something with Ronald oh, Reagan's yeah. Star Wars. It's all very confusing <laughs> and of the time, you know. Very much of the time. But it, I mean, they did care about the story because the latest Shinobi games do go into the background of, mm. of Joe Musashi and is it the Cyber Shinobi game which talks mm. about his backstory so <laughs> they did care about this stuff you know we, we we scoff a little bit at the you know is it is it the son is it the father you know we don't really know depends on where you live yeah um, but they cared you know and they I yeah. think as the games go on there's definitely and it's certainly if you go into the PS2 game there is there is a storyline that's probably worthy of some chat there but in these early days it's uh uh, very, very much the Wild West of uh, storytelling, I think. Absolutely. Murky stuff. And yes, I should say, I haven't actually scheduled a slot in the podcast for the Cyber Shinobi itself. Um, but maybe we should make sure to at least kind of give it due diligence to some degree on one of our couple of future Shinobi podcasts. Because there there weren't that many Shinobi games. Uh, and so, you know, we're able to kind of tick off this whole series in yeah. short order. But But actually, there are a couple of sort of uh outliers that you know is it are they main entries are they guidance i don't know but um... yeah i mean i think i think cyber shinobi is definitely worth a look i mean it was a i think it was more of an effort to try and get the revenge of shinobi style gameplay onto the master system rather than a yes more sure. of an arcade game uh i i did play it once quite a, quite a while ago and it's i mean it's not it's not brilliant by any stretch of the imagination, it's a late Master System game. Mm. But it's probably worth, whether it's worth it to our podcast, I don't know, but it's certainly worth someone's time in having a look at it. Oh, cool. Yeah, let's talk about the visuals. Uh, the the look of the game, 
both versions. Um, so just, I suppose, the initial impressions, if you compared them both side by side, would be, as you might expect, the arcade version is a higher resolution game, has a bit more color, has a bit more detail, um, more animation, so on and so forth. But overall, I think both like, both games look pretty cool. I know I think there's some people have said the, the Mega Drive version is quite kind of gritty looking, but I think that does give way once you get out of the ruined city to an extent. And the to me, the Shadow Dancer visuals are, are, are pretty cool. You've got loads of parallax scrolling and it, look, it looks and feels to me like a kind of obvious progression from the Shinobi visuals. Chris, how did you feel? I'm not... Yeah... I think it is. It's not a bad-looking game. If you take the arcade game, I don't think it's a bad-looking game. I was a little bit surprised that there wasn't more of a visual upgrade on the original Shinobi. Right. Um, I think everything just looks a bit cooler. So I think mm. I think the main sprite, whoever it is, Hayate or, or <laughs> is it a reincarnation of Shinobi. Joe, yeah, I think yeah, the main, and of course in Zelda, you know, the guy is Zelda and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, so, so I think it everything looks cooler, right? I mean, the, the dog is a cool looking thing to, yeah. to walk around on the screen. And, and and there is definitely more detail. So I think the environments are more detailed and there's more stuff going on. And although you can't really interact with the backgrounds, they feel, feel more real, particularly in the airport yeah. setting. Um, Quite agree. Uh, and I think the later levels as well are kind of definitely more atmospheric than they achieved with the original. But I don't know, two years in the late 80s was quite a long time in terms of how we were advancing in, in, in terms of hardware. And I was a little surprised. I almost played them back to back because I played the original Shinobi to play along with the show at the back end of last year. And I was a little bit surprised coming to this that it, it there wasn't more of a visual upgrade and certainly yeah. not more we'll talk about mechanics but i was surprised that there wasn't more mm. of a mechanical upgrade but i it looked better and it looks cooler and there's definitely more going on but i didn't think there was a massive upgrade on the original and as for as for the mega drive i actually th- i actually think the mega drive is more aesthetically pleasing than the, than the arcade game yeah i i prefer the 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 art style and although yeah there are fewer colors and there are pro- probably are fewer frames of animation there's just something about the Mega Drive game which I just think appeals more. And it, this may be something to do with the fact that I have a main cab at home and I have an original 1992 CRT monitor in there that is, mm. it will die any day now. Oh, no. So, so I, every time I switch it on, I think this monitor is going to pop. And <laughs> one day very soon it will. So I think I've probably had a lesser experience on the visuals, and that may explain why I prefer the the Mega Drive's mm-hmm. visuals, especially in that first level when you do have you know the burning city where you have geezers popping up from the the ground and whatnot. And uh, we'll talk more about how that evolves as the game goes on. But dramatic stuff. Yeah, I mean it. It looks the arcade game certainly looks cool. I just don't think I was expecting more of a yeah. visual upgrade on, I think, on the original. I think at this point, especially with the 2D boards, Sega was very much iterating bit by bit, weren't they? Yeah. So Shinobi was a System 16 game. This is a, yeah. there, were, there were System 16B games, yeah. no System 17 games, and then straight on to System 18. So this is only, this is kind of two, I guess, relatively minor iterations on the... On the on the original board, um, and it's only it's, two years, I suppose. Which you know, it, it is that long enough to see a, you know, it's not like a generational leap in in right. you'd expect. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they they certainly, are, you know, I, I I think it looks better. You know, I know a lot of people, a lot of people would say that 
generally overall shinobi is the preferred game but there's definitely i mean the the presence of the dog in itself i think adds a, adds a coolness to shadow dancer mm. yeah I uh, don't really have much to advance on what Chris has just said. I think it is a very attractive game. There's some really impressive depth, you know, and it's a, a nice kind of virtual tour of what, I guess, New York would have to offer in uh, in the arcade in particular, you know, as he mm. cut about through what I, I guess is probably JFK, then moving on to um, a dock, I suppose, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Mega Drive version, I, I have a bit of a problem with it, to be honest with you, because... The um, quality of the, in, at least in my opinion, the quality of the visuals sort of declines as the game goes along. Yeah. Um, and I actually think it's at the strongest in the first level, but I yep. do think that actually it feels very, very reminiscent of Super Contra and uh, what's going on in that first level as well with all of the, the kind of volcanic stroke kind of fire geysers coming off the ground. So I was put in mind of a game that I would much rather play than this one, which I, I don't necessarily think is a particularly very uh, desirable outcome for, for what we've got there. I don't know if anybody else kind of felt that similarity in the same way I did. Yeah. No, I think, I think yeah, I, I think I did. It hadn't occurred. The Contra comparison hadn't occurred to me. Especially the Mega Drive Contra. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's another one of those situations as well. I, I think the thing that's missing for me is some of the oddity that occurs in the original Shinobi, you know, with the kind of Andy Warhol, Marilyn Monroe. You've yeah. got a lot of kind of like, um, I don't want to say Easter egg, because I think that's quite a strong kind of connotation for what, what it is there. But there's there's less kind of um, showing off of, of, of kind of like a personal effect that you would have. And, and, and I think it's not weaker for it, but it's just mm. a slightly different kind of, Bit less character, um, but they've gone for a yeah, more there's, there's a, there's a representational Shinobi. You know view. that kind of yeah. it, it rips you out, and you're kind of taken into a position where you want to do that. But it isn't without it. I mean, the the Mega Drive version when you're going through the um, is it the docks, and you've got the like 50 Ferrari F40, you know, and you're like, bloody mm. hell, that's a that's an exceptional amount of money that's been like wasted on the bottom of that level <laughs> there. But um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's quite novel. Um, I just think that um. It, it it almost looks too reminiscent of things that are perhaps better than the, well, this is a very subjective take, but it looks like to, it takes sort of inspiration from things that I think are slightly better presented than what it is. Maybe the enemies. I think we said some of them looked a bit goofy in Shinobi One. Quite. And they've they've yeah. gone. A, they've gone for something a bit more eighties action movie samurai cop. That stuff that and here. that and our protagonist as well. That white mm. gi feels very kind of. Um, I don't know, like Power Rangers style, almost. You know that, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That that type of like representation of a ninja that isn't necessarily the same. It, it it feels very kind of cartoony by comparison to what what you might want to see there. It's just a personal preference, of course. But I, mm. I did find myself like as much as I admired it, I found that there's lots to kind of pull away from there. See, I think what I I think it looks. I mean, the the character itself, I think looks. I think he looks infinitely cooler than the original Joe. Joe, is it is it Masashi? Masashi. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Joe Masashi kind of did did turn up, didn't he? Like a a young rookie cop out of school with his dressing up as a ninja without his, you know, <laughs> and he he forgotten his his mask. Whereas, I think, I think this, I think, I think Hayate looks more like a ninja and and therefore feels more like a ninja mm. to play although uh, there's still there's still there's still definite queries about how he goes about his business <laughs> I, I think i think what richard just said is spot on though about the mega drive version they they uh, whether they didn't put as much love and attention into the later levels as the the certainly the first one i don't know mm. or whether they were just limited on ideas 
but certainly as the game goes on and then it culminates in the the final kind of gauntlet stage where you go from room to room which literally has no imagination yeah. whereas in the arcade game and sometimes i wonder why if you were if you were an artist working on an arcade game like this so few people will have seen those later levels that Precisely. sometimes you wonder why they even bother <laughs> to try and, and and put any kind of love and attention into the later levels but i don't feel like that with shadow dancer in fact my favorite level in terms of the way it looks comes towards the end of the game Whereas in the arcade game, yeah, they do. I mean, yeah, they do get dull. Front front loading, uh, the visual appeal in in arcade games, absolutely, definitely a thing. Video games as a whole, for sure, is. I'm sure it's something we've talked about over the the decade plus we've we've been doing this show about uh, some games very clearly being front loaded with the most spectacular stuff. But yeah. it made more sense than ever in a in an ar- a video arcade, definitely. especially in a game that could potentially rip all three lives off you in the space of about 30 yeah. seconds. Yeah. You know, yeah. make sure you got that big jumbo jet in there yeah. and the and the dog doing its thing and everything looks cool because that's possibly the only way we're going to motivate people to to battle through the really yeah, exacting gauntlet that is yeah. is this game. And and yeah, they could have they could have made this game easier. I know I'm already jumping into gameplay here, but um even the, the game that Shinobi 1 was essentially a clone of, Namco's Rolling Thunder. Even Rolling Thunder let you have two hits, unless yeah, I think maybe yeah. if you were hit full on by a bullet. But you normally you you got you got one chance. Even Ghosts and Goblins, right? I was going to talk to Ben yeah. about this, but even Ghosts and Goblins gave you a yeah. chance to recover. Yeah. This game does not. So yeah. it's interesting that this game never comes up in those hardest game ever conversations. And maybe maybe it doesn't deserve it, but certainly my recent experiences suggest the original arcade game was probably one of the tougher ones around. There was an odd, again, not to cut into gameplay, while you can't take much damage, you can collide with enemies, which I find yeah. to be slightly odd true, like, true. As, a, as a decision and the mm. kind of knockback that you would get from there. There's quite a lot of um, speed runs and certainly tool-assisted speed runs where they take good advantage of this particular thing just to yeah. kind of waste time and demonstrate what the tech can do. Yeah. And the and the key difference with this game, and I think what makes it, what, what sets it apart difficulty-wise from the likes of Ghosts and Goblins is nothing's random. You you can oh, if yeah. you devoted the time and and nowadays if you use save states at the start of every stage and learn the stages. Yep. You, you if you put in enough time and it would have been interesting to get Ben's view of this and I know he, he touched upon this in the original Shelby, which is exactly the same. If you put in enough time, you literally could play this game with your eyes closed. If if you memorized exactly what each yeah, of the yeah, you could probably play it by do. sound. In fact, yeah, absolutely, you could, you could. If you can cut yeah. through the cacophony, which uh, not the move to the sound at the minute, but good grief, like well, no, that's the that's the perfect segue. What what's what's your take on that? Uh, what's, it, what's this cacophony? cacophony? Yeah, I mean, it is refer. just wild. Like the dog constantly barking, the compression <laughs> of the yeah. digitized stuff. Oh know, yeah, it, it, it's nimpo speech. It's just. I don't know. The thing that I didn't really get around to in the arcade is looking to see if there's any way to do anything with the sound mixing. But if that's all you've got, that is a, a bold choice in terms of doing something. But the, the impression... <laughs> Bear in I... mind, you were playing this in the arcade as well, so it was utter chaos. Yeah, indeed, it was yeah. surrounded by everything else. And it does... Yeah. The, the, the place that I've landed on this is actually, you know, I don't think it does anything particularly... Um, memorable if you like but it it definitely would add to like an arcade kind of aesthetic like in like a soundscape yeah 100%. it's that kind of thing that you would expect to kind of yeah. come out of that 
Yeah, mm. the crispy highs, the cr- the crunchy lows, the garbled speech, which uh, which is you know garbled in the arcade machine, which wasn't always the case, and therefore you know even more garbled on the Mega Drive, which was it was famous for scratchy samples. But yeah, the uh, the Ninpo magic sample on the arcade game is hilarious. I have no idea what he's saying. I looked it up actually. I okay. tried to Google it because I was going to do as Rich did as Woof thing. I was going to come out with one of those Nimpo that sort of thing sayings, and I, I couldn't even find it online. As no, to what nobody knows. Says. Nobody knows. It, it's also <laughs> in the um, Sigma Mosticism version, and good goodness knows how much of oh, the really? memory it's occupied yeah. there. But wow. it's even more woeful. Yeah, yeah. I think a few Master System games supported uh, some sampled speech, didn't they? It wasn't. It wasn't totally out of the question, but. Uh, yeah, as you say, it would have taken up valuable chip space. Um, yeah, the 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 music, you know, has a has a funky flow to it, as per the first game. But I wouldn't say like we all came away from replaying yeah. Shinobi uh, with wham in our heads. <laughs> still, like months <laughs> well, later, I still, still like, go yeah. back and listen to that song. And uh, and I and I, the, the music for both games is different, and they both play to the strengths of the sound chips of the the host hardware. So the Mega Drive version sounds unmistakably like a Mega Drive. Yeah, there's certainly right. some sounds in both which very much evoke uh, the ver- the versions of Golden Axe. Um, I think uh, the you know the text kind of just recognizable from from certain sound palettes. Um, it's got you know it's got the usual kind of cool oriental feeling stuff funky bass stuff not too much ninja turtles style gank in this one but um but yeah n- none of the tunes like they're all fun to bop along to and play the level but i i, I haven't come away kind of with too many of them in my head so has anyone got an earworm out of shadow dancer no i but I, th- I prefer the genesis me uh, to genesis oh my god I've moved over to america i've i've preferred the mega drive slash Genesis soundtrack, just, 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 just personal taste. But yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say I'm trying to. I'm trying to recall now a tune to hum along, and I, I couldn't. I think it's pretty, pretty nondescript. And it certainly doesn't have the character that the music had of the of the first game. Mm. That kind of almost that kind of beach beach cool jazz vibe that <laughs> the original gives exactly. off. Ninja jazz funk. Unlike Shadow Dancer, where I could come away with a favorite, I can probably give you something that I, I, I dislike. And there's a, a level in the Mega Drive version uh, where you enter the cave, and it is just whatever the Mega Drive equivalent of just one long bass slap solo. And <laughs> yeah. it, it's yes, hard on the true. ears. It's dissonant. It's and it, it, I think the thing that I came away with is, but while I don't enjoy the music, like it has a funk about it. What I do admire about it, however, is that it wants to get its itself in. It wants to get as much of the thing yeah. that it's showcasing in as quickly as possible. So it doesn't, unlike Shinobi, which, you know, if it's cribbing from Wham, as an example, it's basically trying to represent, like, whatever the, the structure of a pop song is. This is just trying to get a chorus and then a bridge in as quickly as you humanly can uh, as part of it and i was like yeah i can see why you might want to do this if you're a sound designer you want to try and showcase what you've got and, and get your your kind of stuff in as quickly as possible there's nothing that i don't like about the sound of a you know a dissonant slightly atonal slap bass sample from an 80s arcade game or early 90s <laughs> console game it sounds like my perfect like the music they'll be playing in the waiting room to heaven for me yeah, should I get there? Dude, the Amiga port actually has a really good soundtrack. Oh yeah, it's the yeah completely different, entirely different, and I don't know who composed it. No, but it's it's really good, and it's 
probably the best. Well, it is most definitely the best thing about the Amiga port playing <laughs> it today. I should check and it ju- out. Just on just before we move away from sound, I've got, a, I've got a funny story about that. So, as I said, I've been playing this on, on the main cab, which is in the which is in the kids. We have like a little kind of playroom, and it's bunged in there, and that's where the kids hang out most of the time. My daughter has a pathological, like a medical fear of dogs, and so I had to turn the sound off. Oh no. On yeah, Shadow Dancer very right. soon, very early on, because she was, she. I mean, she didn't, it, it didn't trigger anything, but she was unnerved mm. by the constant barking of the dog. Yeah. So I ended up huh. having to turn the volume all the way down, so I barely heard the sounds on the arcade game. It, right. it is it, relentless, though. I mean, I was playing today, yeah. and I was like, yeah, good yeah, grief, yeah. Like, this is just... just a, didn't set just yours off, up. No, unfortunately no, not. She's, uh, she's quite pissed <laughs> by a comparison, but yeah. And, and bless yeah. you for, for Chris for putting your... Uh, Meme cabinet that could explode at any minute in the kids' run. You know, I'm sure that. Oh, well, this fun. is it. Well, I'd rather have it there than where where I hang out. <laughs> that's um, it's interesting though, and actually that sort of speaks to why we have accessibility options in modern games. Talking, thinking about just this yeah. week at the time of recording to date this podcast, we've just uh, seen the release of the remake of Dead Space, 15 years after the original, almost. And obviously, it's a horror game. It's known for being a horror game, but they've actually put some options in there to kind of censor some of the gore and stuff uh, as a very specific answer to some people who want the horror without the gore, for example. That's they, cool. Yeah, exactly. So, and again, it's an option. You can leave it mm. on or turn it off. Mm. But yeah, if, if if Shadow Dancer had come out in, in 2023, maybe it would have had a dial down the dog. I was looking for something beginning with D there. Um, I would say it's, it's all to... in the mixing for me, though. I mean, everything is set mm. at 10 or 11 for that yeah. matter. You know, it's just oh, relentless. Yeah. So, everything's know, peaking. It's not yeah. that everything isn't working in coordination with one another. It just blends into this amorphous, like horrible mess yeah. of a noise that sort of is quite tiring and stress inducing, to be honest, in an already yeah, stressful game. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember the, the sound of the dog being as invasive in the Mega Drive version. Yep. No. No, I think it's slightly lower in the mix, slightly, slightly less frequent, maybe, and it possibly. Obviously, it's a it's it's a sampled dog in the arcade machine. I'm not yeah. sure whether it's a synthesized version of a dog in the Mega Drive version because yeah, it doesn't possibly. it doesn't scratch in the same way as the speech samples do. So I'm wondering if it's actually they've kind of yeah, yeah. emulated the sound of a dog using Mega Drive yeah. sounds as as would often be the case. Interesting stuff. More dog chat momentarily, but let's hear from Mr. Ixalite. Thank you for posting to the forum. Mr. Ixalite says, seeing the plan for this year's extended Shinobi coverage on the podcast, I went down to my library to pick up a copy of Sega Mega Drive Classic Collection. I had no prior experience with the series and reasoned that I would initially approach it like an older Castlevania game and allow myself save states simply as semi-regular checkpoints. As I booted up Shadow Dancer, I quickly had to relax these restrictions as I was surprised to find it an one-hit-and-you're-out affair. Whether taking a half-step too far or changing directions half a second too late, my death count skyrocketed and I began to use the rewind feature freely. By the latter stages, which heavily feature throngs of bouncing, spinning ninjas, it felt more like I was playing Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. Bosses were surprisingly manageable, though, and your canine companion does help, even in the even if the final stages, enemies sadly largely seem to have dog immunity. The game's short length took me by surprise. My copious assist usage, of course, means that I rushed through it, but it also felt like the level design never really got interesting before the end. 
Still, Shadow Dancer had enough enjoyable facets that I moved on to Revenge of Shinobi immediately. But that is a story for another podcast. It is. It is indeed. Uh, yes, and that sounds similar to my experience. I, I try to, when I do play these games and obviously have to beat them on a time limit and I'm also conscious of other games I've got coming up on the show so I can't necessarily spend mm. a month getting good at every arcade game we cover, but I do want to see all the levels. And then, of course, I try to play it properly alongside playing it improperly. But um, it is one of those where you think, right, as exactly as Chris said, oh, I, I can learn this level. This is definitely learnable. Everything's always the same. It's yeah. a pattern. It's a it's a sequence of button inputs that you're going to have to learn. Not necessarily always my favourite kind of gameplay, although there are exceptions. I was thinking about this earlier today and mm. wondering about why some games have lasted the the test of time with me and others haven't. I was thinking about Robotron, which we covered before, which obviously is from a few yeah. years before this, but every time it generates a screen in that game, it's slightly different to the last yeah. time it generated it. So there's always an element of the unknown and an element of uh, improvisation and, and strategic variety and things like that. I am less patient with games where it is always the same, exactly the same. And yeah. obviously it's where our friend Ben, who sadly can't be with us, absolutely excels with games like Ghosts and Goblins. And there are some minor RNG aspects to these games. Again, if you watch a super play with commentary, you'll find out that there are certain things that may or may not happen, depending on goodness knows what is going on in the background. But overall, it is this enemy will be here and it will fire at this mm. point. And if you stand at this point on the screen, you will avoid this hit and then you will duck under it. And then you will make sure that you execute your swipe in this window of damage and so on yeah. and so forth. Um, but yes, I found that I started off thinking, yep, checkpoint save states, basically, uh, just to save me doing the bits over and over again. And yes, level level one on both of these games, Mega Drive and Arcade, is is pretty much a cakewalk. So there's very little point. You've got nothing to prove by repeatedly wasting your time completing those levels over and over again, in my opinion. <laughs> but once you get beyond level two, uh, level two and beyond, it becomes uh, quite attritional in terms of how quickly you're dying and how often you're having to load. For most of us, not for all of us, but for, for the yeah. average ability yeah. likes of me. The... I find it a particularly unattractive kind of mechanic in a game, this whole concept of like rote memorization. And uh, at yeah. my age and my late 30s, I just I, I don't have the patience or physiologically, in some cases, the ability to do what, what it is that needs to be done. But what I would say right. is I think there is um, what I detected was a real nasty cynicism about the way that enemies were placed to almost exploit <laughs> yes. things that were done beforehand and you know i get it in an arcade oh, yeah. sense it's the reason why yes. i played through the japanese rom rather than the uh, european and the american mm. one on the on the rationale that it wasn't basically a kind of monetary thing just to try and pull people out but i, I did find myself inching forward only to find that the next enemy was directly positioned in such a way that I was going to be become a cropper of what was there. And you see it in some of the speed runs where you're looking at where the, the player opts to land and you think like they, they know exactly what's happening before that, 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 that position yeah, exactly. wouldn't naturally occur to me based around what it is that's presented to me on screen. Um, so yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just not, not an especially attractive thing to, to view, but it's not that unsimilar to, to Shinobi in some cases. Those lot of levels were pretty much the same, so it's, it, it seems to kind of follow that trend. Yeah. I think the, I think the main problem with it, and this is, you know, from, for me, it was only it was exclusive to the arcade version, 
is you end up just getting so i mean if you do try and you know, inverted commas play it properly you end up getting so bored of the <laughs> yeah. first couple of stages yeah. that by the time when it really ramps up and i think it my, my war was the the second stage boss the train that was the thing that yeah, really yeah, I, really, I just could not it's get trying that. to throw you off the machine at that point, definitely. But but then once you get into stage three, I think then that's when it really does become unfair. And I think that is the designer saying, "Look, if you if you've been able to stay on the machine this long, you know." And I I could one credit that reasonably quickly up to up to up to three one, leaving aside the the horrible train. But once it got to three one, I think the difficulty really then ramps up, mm. and so you get so bored of playing those first couple of stages over and over again. And in the end, it kind of drove me to it drove me to emulating it and yeah, yeah. save state in it. No, I think that I mean, and again, like fortunately, any any way of playing these games in the modern world, unless you're absolutely determined to play off the original hardware or something, is going to afford you a certain amount of corners to be cut yeah. and while we always acknowledge like obviously particularly talking about ben and you know the the in intense rush and emotional high he gets and feeling of satisfaction achievement he gets from beating these games legit um for some of us like that isn't worth the boredom and the misery and the pain of getting there he seems to have he seems to exist in a place where he finds the the build-up to getting there actually a, a kind of you know a positive therapeutic exercise but for many of us it just isn't that however we still enjoy the fundamentals of playing through an old arcade game yeah. so your mileage may vary as we saw and i think so. there's there's an existential conversation to be had as well about which is probably not one for for this for this show well, we'll about, the <laughs> about the nature of arcade games and yeah. actually are they are games like this fun when you have unlimited credits mm. and you have the ability to save state i mean it it i don't know it does it take away the essence of just walking up to a machine sticking your 10p in or, or your quarter or wherever it may be and just seeing how far you can get and not even thinking about seeing the end of it yeah, yeah. you know we we yeah. play this we finish it you know we talk about the whole game but i sometimes i think these games weren't meant to be finished you know they're <laughs> meant to be you, you walk up you stick your 10p in, yeah. you have as much fun as you can have for as long as you can last, and then you walk on and you play something else. I think for the majority of players that's true, but I think they also were designed to cater for the hardcore, the expert, the super players, or the, the players with a mindset uh, of determination and patience and those fine motor skills and hand-eye coordination mm. ceilings that could achieve it. Or the and rich. Or the rich, oh, yeah, yeah, or you just keep playing. But then, you know, no matter how much money I'd had, I think there are still sections in this game where I would, you know, I just maybe would never get past because yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. just beyond my, my ceiling of ability. And maybe yeah. if I played it 8,000 times, maybe one I'd have one go where I'd manage to, you know, get through it or something. But there are definitely games that are just beyond me, and, and that's okay, and I've made my peace with that. Mm. As regards to the, yeah, this is definitely something we have kind of discussed, on, especially on these games where we've, covered arcade games and some of us often myself have had to you know resort to rewinds and save states and things to complete them do are they still fun well often yes i find for me they are again people will have different experiences like i know i think probably one of the most commonly talked about ones is credit feeding through a brawler 
Um, yeah. So this is yeah, that, yeah. that's a game where you don't even necessarily stop. You just keep credit feeding. You just keep yeah. progressing. You you put your new credits in, like in Final Fight, you just drop yeah, back just in where you through. were. And you can just grind it through. And some people will find that utterly unsatisfying and mm. terribly boring. Um, and others will find it quite cathartic, I think, and mm. quite enjoyable just to repeatedly... Basically, you know, in that sort of power fantasy way. But I think I always go into these games with a kind of mindset as to what kind of go I'm having. So mm, if I'm yeah. if, if if I decide to play it properly um, and go as far as I can, then uh, I will, you know, I will test myself. I will play as well as I possibly can yeah. and have one credit and see how far I can get. Uh, and then other times I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll brute force it and break the game and cheat to to yeah. see the rest because I want to see the graphics because I want to see obviously so I can talk with even if I couldn't do it I can at least talk about how the later levels were laid out and things like that and whether yeah. they looked cool and stuff like that so yeah I don't think there's as always I don't think there's any one answer but I, I do agree that I think um, where, where where Ben and I do kind of come together is that I do think it's worth trying to try to get good at these games. And yeah, if you bounce off them and you just don't like them like he does, he walks away from loads of games that he's just like, they don't grab him or he thinks they're, they're cheap or um, he thinks that the way in which they're challenging isn't fair or whatever, then you can just walk away, but they might not even be the same games for you. They might, might be different games. I think just to return to the point that I made, I, I've definitely felt the kind of like, almost like the cynical mercantile, I don't even know if this word exists, but how mercantile, like, Shadow Dancer is, like, the the yeah. way that it's presented felt a lot, a little bit more obvious to me than it would. Like, yeah. I, I'll give you an example. I was playing through um, Shadow Dancer, and I was like, I, I'm just not in the mood today. I know, I'll play Knights on the Round, um, or Knights of the Round, <laughs> rather. And, like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it is another, like, another game that has that but it, you, the, you get a lot further yeah, right. in and and there's a lot more kind of to do and a lot more kind of fairness in that game before you meet that kind of barrier yeah. if you like and i just felt it was quite a, a cynical thing and a, a, a not some like what it does is it conjures up like images to me and, and conversations about like the, the relationship between arcade games and gambling which i'm not quite comfortable with yeah um mm, yeah. And, and this presents it in a way that it's very easy mm. to, to draw that connection I remember uh, having this uh, conversation with with Gary Blower some years ago, former guest friend of the show. Uh, whereas he he was very much a home computer, home micro, and then console person. And um, I always kind of assumed because he's uh, he's a bit younger than me, but n- not not so much younger. Uh, that kind of everyone of my age kind of grew up being a massive arcade gamer, and he kind of rejected their model early on. Uh, mm. for for similar reasons as as to what you're saying but i think what i'd say as as a massive arcade game fan overall it was extraordinary even then how much they varied in terms of how challenging they were and how much yeah. time you got for your money like yeah. some games it was obviously quite easy to get a long play for ver- for yeah. 10p like just obviously Difficulty is subjective to an extent and everyone has their things that they're better at and worse at. But like I just, you know, there were some games that I took to really quickly and could easily get like the full game out of um, and complete early on. Like uh, we talked about on the Double Dragon show and Mexico 86, the football game. Like I (laughs) I play that now and I'm absolutely terrible at it. But back then I fairly quickly uh, kind of worked out a few exploits and then I was on it for like half an hour, 45 minutes at a stretch. (laughs) Um, But then other games, yeah, like 
R-Type 2 or Shadow Dancer would be like, boom, 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 you're off. And I guess it's whether that initial experience is enough to persuade you back. What I will say is, again, in the defense of this game, and but not in any way dismissing your feelings, Rich, is that this game is possible to beat Quite. and and clear legitimately whereas there are other games we did a podcast on midway's rampage for example yeah, which yeah, yeah. just it just saps your life until you have to put more money in yeah. uh, and even gauntlet you know which is a game that i adored and still really like in many ways your life just constantly ticks down and eventually it's horribly cynical yeah, gauntlet because yeah. it, it just it, it says look to carry on you have to just put more money in it's yeah there is food but it's not but cynical. It, yeah yeah but it's not it's yeah so particularly western japanese games especially in as as you alluded to in their original rom forms would by and large if they were especially if they were from one of the big respected companies konami or sega people like that capcom they would allow the player to get good enough to beat the game legitimately they wouldn't have mm. uh, a kind of a cheating frail state however they would often have i think in the same way as uh, i think we were talking on the caner in slack recently about the the cynically added uh, difficulty spikes in uh, rental cartridge games in the early 90s <laughs> yeah. in the lion yeah. king and things like that and i think yeah. like there's a there's a bridge uh, there's a jump in both there's one in in uh, double dragon and there's one in golden axe uh the famous bridge i'm sure we talked about it on the show in both games where if you don't know how to or where exactly to stand pixel perfect and jump over you would just generally drop three times into the into the abyss or into the water there's one in the original shinobi isn't it on the master system the, right the infamous jump yeah the there's like a pit, yeah, where you have a jump and yeah. an enemy on the other side. Yeah, I think we, we chatted yeah. about it last time as well. Probably. Yeah. yeah, but and I, I suppose where we land on this is that uh, <laughs> the idea that when you see kind of young young commenters on social media on the internet sort of saying, you know, the games industry has gotten so cynical. Uh, actually, <laughs> it was always designed <laughs> to fleece yeah. you. Um, they just do it in slightly different ways now. I think for me, just before we move on from yeah. this whole the question of difficulty, I think our we, we, it, it seems with every arcade game that I spend any a reasonable amount of time with, I have a curve of enjoyment. Yeah. And it starts off really low because you hit the game and it's really difficult and you don't know how to play it. And at that, that's the point where if you're just having a look at it, you walk away. But if you kind of get over that initial hurdle, the kind of the enjoyment curve goes up and up and up to the point where you feel like you've got a reasonable grasp of the mechanics, you can play it up to a point... And it becomes quite addictive at that point. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I, I feel like oh, I can't wait to get back to it because I know if I just play a little bit more, I know I can beat that boss and I know I can beat that stage and then I'll get one stage further. And then you hit the real difficulty spike. Yeah. And at that point, my the enjoyment level drops and drops and drops hard at that point. And that's the point where you think, Joe, I just can't. And in the end, I think with Shadow Dancer, the arcade version, I got to the point where... It's going to be a long time before I fire it back up again. The yeah. curve has dropped well off. Yeah. Are there um, are there any kind of arcade machines in your past, or or emulations or home versions thereof that you just had that pull that that just had the right level of challenge that was exactly right for you to want to kind of get through one CC them or at least finish them without using an insane amount of extra credits. Ikari Warriors for me. Wow. Wow. Okay. See, that one to me is a really tough one. It's funny, isn't it? 
I love that so, game, but I, I've never got massively far in it. I had the Amiga version. I had it on PSP. It was a PSP Mini, if you remember. Yeah. Um, I've got it on the SNK40 collection. And I and I think it's so cute and dinky. And it's obviously SNK's answer to Commando or yeah. Wolf of the Battlefield, um, yeah. for those who don't know it. I'm sure it's on our big list. I would love to cover it someday. But one of the reasons yeah. I never have is because it's so so flipping hard. But you, you, you got to the end, right? That's just something about the gameplay that just kept me going there with you that. Go. That's it. And mm. I, whether it was because it does feel it's not, it's not always the same every time. There are slight differences, yes, yes. and depending on the order in which you take out enemies, different things can happen. That's true. There's just enough, and what you were saying earlier is spot on. I think when when there is even the slightest of variety, yeah. or you can control the variety, it's just enough there to keep you coming back. Mm. It's not the same experience every time. You know, I'm sure we were all the same. You can clear these three stages. I mean, if you, provided you're paying enough attention. Yeah. It, you know, so, so easily. And, and it becomes that first five minutes of play just then becomes really boring. Well, that's with it, some, yeah. With even Final Fight, which I'm, yeah, I'm not great at and I can't get anywhere near a 1cc on oh, that. Oh, no, I'm not sure yet. It remains mm. enjoyable after 30-something years because... There is just that little bit of variety every time you play it. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the Kari Warriors, just something about... And I really like those into-the-screen, you know, shooters, the likes of Commando. Mm. And there's something about Akari Warriors that just kept me going back to it. Yeah, mm. and I just... That was... Yeah, that was the one. That's cool. Because, I, yeah, I find that game much more manageable than the original Commando, which I, I find absolutely yes. nails hard. Yeah, uh, I much prefer Akari Warriors. I have got, I've got a little further playing it recently on Capcom Arcade Stadium, but... Um, but uh, yeah, there's something. Akari Warriors is just a little bit more sedate than, uh, it, it, although it's still very challenging. It's not quite as kind of manic as no, uh, as Commando. Um, no, I agree. We, we'll, we'll maybe we'll cover those games someday. Mm. Uh, Rich, what about you? Is there any kind of is there is there any game of this philo- arcade design philosophy that has pulled you through? No, I mean for. If you've listened to me on the show, it's like I'm no stranger to playing monotonous, difficult things, but the arcade's not really my kind of scene. And and largely it's just a sort of geodemographic thing, you know, like where yeah. I grew up, mid 80s, early 1990s, destitute coal mining communities. Any relationship we had with arcades was basically from traveling carnivals that would come in and it would literally be pound mm-hmm. a shot, dip switch up as quickly as possible, get Whoa, your money and then yeah. get out of there. Uh, Get out, of, get out of the town as quickly as possible. So it, it wasn't really a... Like, I'd I, I covet anybody who had to spend 10 pence on an arcade, for example, because that was very much not the, the relationship. That <laughs> not even the about. local chippy, Rich? Um, no, not even. God wow. damn it. Back to more important matters. <laughs> the dog. The dog in this game. So Yamato in the Japanese version, Shadow in the Western versions, which is ironic for a all white dog, some might say. Mm. Although, yeah, the uh, the, the outfit in the game also changes white. the definition of the title of the game as well, I suppose. But you know, there you have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like one of those performing dogs you get on Britain's Got Talent or something <laughs> like that. Uh, so the breed. Uh, let's have the debate. I thought it was a Samoyed, uh, but maybe you're right. It might be a bit too bit bit not fluffy enough. I think I've seen it quoted as an Alsatian, but that would make it. I mean, there are all white albinos, but it could be an albino. But I don't think it has pink eyes. And uh, and Rich, you're suggesting an Akita. I, I did purely because it's a Japanese breed, and I thought maybe yeah. variation sort of 
get get a what's his tail curly. like because akitas have the yeah, curly so he does tail, have like a wolf-like tail rather than a, a kind of curled mm. tail like an akita or a, you know like a malamute or something like that oh yeah malamute that was another potential option although they're 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 gigantic aren't they uh <laughs> listeners let us know what <laughs> that that game that you've never heard of or played what what do you think the dog is in it um so yeah it's a uh, I think it's a mechanic that maybe um, was part of the, as I said, part of the reason that I, although I love, I love dogs and I like the idea of having the dog with me, partly being concerned for its welfare and partly not understanding how it's, how it worked. I think there was maybe something that actually put me off them. Think so you, maybe you'd work out how to send it or you'd do it by accident, which is down on the controller and press a button. Then the dog runs off and, the the idea is that the mechanic is that you use almost throughout the game until sadly the dog disappears uh, for the final showdown is that you uh, like they always used to have demonstrated on TV shows when I was a kid would be the attack dog grabbing somebody on the arm and apprehending them for the uh, for the police or whoever to to uh, put them under arrest. In this case, you're not going to arrest them. You just fling a shuriken at them and, and they die yeah. missing your dog in the process. But it seems to me that from quite early on, <laughs> the dog just gets kind of puppied, uh, for want of a better phrase. Um, what, it's useless, you mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A bit. It's a bit like for this really cool white attack dog mm-hmm. it's a bit it's a bit feeble it's circumstantial yeah. i found i mean i hit cards on the table for me it was like an elixir and a jrpg you just never use it in case you need it for a more important <laughs> situation oh wow um, oh no i wasn't that bad i like that analogy and actually it was you know largely a busy enough game where it was a step too far for my kind of brain, my fragile mind to kind of comprehend, especially in the arcade oh. where you need to kind of charge the attack to be able to get the, the dog to go. No, that's the um, that's the Mega Drive ah, Indeed, yep. So yeah. I, I just found it maybe one one bit too much, but there was always that situation where you would have like something that you needed a mantle to get over the top of, and it was it was very useful there. But I, I, I never really reached or ascended to that point where I could actually use it in coordination with just generic attacks. But I suspect actually that's where the the kind of brilliance of the game kind of comes through and differentiates it from uh, from Shinobi. Yeah. I would say yeah, so. Yeah, see, I I love the mechanic. I really do, and and for me that is is probably what elevates this game over the original Shinobi mm. in terms of my preference. I really, really like and I have the, I have this saying when I talk on Retro Asylum that every game is a puzzle game. Yeah, yeah. I think there is a puzzle game lurking in the heart of every single video game mm-hmm. and this is a prime example of a game that is not a puzzle game, which is a puzzle game. And I think the dog introduces that puzzle element mm. of how you approach encounters there is one huge problem with it, though, and that is there are certain enemies against which it is completely and totally mm-hmm. useless. Yeah. But there are there are there are parts of this game which I could only get through, and this is probably my lack of skill. But I could only get through using the dog, yeah. and I will plan my I will plan my strategy around. Okay, well, the dog is you know those the the guys that hail the fire bottles. I think from stage three in the arcade version is a is an example of this. So. Yes. The way I got through stage three one, I planned it really carefully by right. If I if I time that with the shots now, if I send the dog in there, he'll get the guy with the gun and then I'll go in and I'll kill them both. But one false move with the ninjas, and the problem with the with the ninjas is that you I found that I had to crouch most of the time mm-hmm. to to hit them. But when you crouch and attack, you send the dog. Yeah. And if you send the dog when you don't mean to and it comes up against a ninja, it dies straight away, which means that your strategy then is either to wait 
for the dog to grow back to normal size and you can use it again or just, just like die. Real. Yeah. Yes, it, it's it's definitely an issue that. So I think that's exactly why they changed the controls for the home game. Yeah. Obviously the the home game was developed separately and yeah. afterwards. I think um the only other one I that sprung immediately to mind. So there were quite a few di- absolutely direct conversions from arcade to Mega Drive with with as few changes as possible within the yeah. confines of the machine. But the only other one I could think of was another Sega game of the exact same era, which was uh, Cyber Police eSWAT, which is basically yeah, the same yeah. genre. But they did yeah. exactly the same thing. They took what is uh, pretty much a straight Shinobi clone in the arcades yeah. and kind of fleshed it out with more home consumer friendly levels and stuff for the home version. Um, yeah. There may have been others as well, but um, but yeah, that, I think that was one of the re- revisions that made a lot of sense, which was holding down a button to fill a meter to send your dog to to attack. But yeah, I I just um, obviously the each of the encounters was designed with a view to either using your dog or not. But yes, there there seemed to be rather too many enemies that were just like get off me, hound. Yeah. Like the guys with the discs. Yeah, you know, exactly. The, I kind of figured that, well, if if you send the dog when they're throwing the disc, then it will it will, it will will grapple them yeah. like it will the regular baddies, but it doesn't always do it. No. And too often it just felt a bit inconsistent as to whether the dog would survive. So then you just didn't, you tried, well, you tried not to do it. Yeah. I think maybe what would have been interesting uh, would have been if they'd made it so that rather than just automatically bouncing off certain enemies uh, or even getting turned into a, a useless puppy for a period of time um if they'd had it so that even if you sent the attack dog to an enemy that it was not able to normally it will wrangle it for like a good two or three seconds yeah. which is obviously really yeah. useful for the one hit enemies that are not that are firing at you because obviously every projectile coming yeah. your way is an instant death but it would be nice if they'd i don't know just knock them out or, uh, you know, as in knock them out of their animation mm. or, or staggered them for a loop or something like that, just so you could yeah. maybe get a shot in. Yeah. Agreed. Hmm. I, I also wondered whether whether they could have made the dog somehow power up. You know, when you got the yeah. enough bombs to, to power up your, your weapon. But then, you know, I mean, it gets silly, doesn't it? You know, if, what would you do with the dog turned into a style. wolf? You know, or... It probably gets a little bit supernatural and a bit silly. <laughs> well, not not that the game, you know, really. Like, I mean, it, I think it had the capacity to maybe get silly in that way, but maybe that would have been cool had yeah, they powered yeah. up the dog. Could have gone from yeah, Akita to Samoyed to Malamute, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but overall, as you'd expect from the uh, from the stable and from the series, I'd say you know the control of Joe, although he's uh, he's still perhaps not the most nippy ninja no uh he's he's still quite kind of uh sedentary um he's quite he's quite <laughs> slow um he probably more nimble i would say in in the mega drive incarnation he felt slightly more so. athletic with um, one caveat and that is that you yeah. can't do the whole duck walk that you can do in the uh in the arcade yes. and in shinobi which which really started a grind on me towards the end and mm. i think it was a fundamental thing that would have thought would have improved the the accessibility lowercase a accessibility of the the final boss in particular. Yeah, yeah. Can he not? Could he not crouch walk in the Mega Drive I version? Could, I'm I'm almost certain, but I'd be happy to be proven wrong. 
I'm now. But it's not. It's just something that I didn't notice that he couldn't do. But now that we talk about it, I can't actually remember doing it. Hmm. Hmm. But I can't remember not doing it either. That's true. Conversely, in the Master System version, like you basically, if you walking forward because of the size of the sprites and the sort of relatively low depth of field and the actual screen, if if you're not duck walking, then you. Probably not playing the game, probably because you're going to walk into something that comes from off screen. So it, it just definitely <laughs> feels like a, a bit of a difference between the two. That I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm very regimented in the way that I'm thinking about playing these games. Talking about the sort of various uh, levels of challenge and and so on in in this game in particular, but games like these, there's also a time limit. So I I, I don't know. That feels a little bit like <laughs> an extra layer of challenge yeah, that the game doesn't generous. really need i mean it was yeah. never a yeah. fear of yeah. not getting through the, the the level in 300 seconds i suppose but um i did find out what happens if you miss it though which is you just drop dead you know uh, brilliant so. as one does <laughs> yes indeed yeah uh i mean there's no you know like the bombs have all gone off animation or whatever uh yeah it's um i, I yeah i mean again obviously they they need the the game to i guess if somebody walks away and leaves a life in a safe place there it means that they yeah. get that uh non-credit off the machine but yeah i don't know it seemed a bit i mean it adds to your points doesn't it which you know are is irrelevant for us because we couldn't clear the game but if <laughs> yeah I, I suppose if you could then it becomes a score chaser yes possibly and then the quicker you get through the levels yeah, the quite. higher your total will be yeah and again certainly watching high level play videos it is possible to the, the better you know the levels as well as you'll die less you'll also get through them much more yeah rapidly so yeah the arcade version has uh, four main levels divided up into four or five is it three or four or five chunks three or four maybe it is three in the first one and then four in the oh, rest that's isn't it. It? yeah uh airport train yard sewers and launch facility where that shuttle is mega drive stages are quite different uh burning downtown is the one uh, that we mentioned earlier so you've got um yeah, like jets of flame flying out That's of the really ground. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, fishes and, uh, opening buildings. up, and yeah, yeah, yeah. That sort of stuff. The boss here is called Stomper or Yoroi, the armor, uh, who also causes earthquakes by stomping, but is the fairly traditional walks back and forwards, and you hit them in the head. But again, the the, the precision required for the hit in terms of where you let go of the shuriken on your jump and things like that and not necessarily that easy i wouldn't have said and and by the end of the game that's really uh a kind of key skill is um being able to execute the jump and the fire at the right kind of points within one another battle are we go on, are we it. talking bosses or can we go talk bosses briefly yeah 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 absolutely so this i found that in, in the mega drive version i found the first even having cleared it on, well, cleared it on the first level and very nearly cleared it on the second level, that first boss, other than the final boss, I found by far the most difficult of the regular boss. I Agreed. just could not. Agreed. I, I I would lose at least two lives on the, the stuff raining down from the sky. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's quite annoying. So difficult. And there's a, a slightly unnatural timing of the shuriken to come down because it's not at the apex of the jump. It's sort of That's slightly what I off mean, it. Yeah. Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. I, I really yeah. struggled to kind of sort of embed in my muscle memory. I'd actually kind of forgotten about the stuff, right? So, yeah, it stomps, it stomps about and stuff 
balls from the ceiling, which does, again, feels a little bit extra for a level one boss. Yeah. It feels like maybe that could have been something on loop two or something like that. Well, I mean, if you compare him to the first boss in the arcade yeah. game, which is, which, you know, which, okay, you need to be concentrating, but you're not, well, if you lose a life, it tends to be just because you're, you're not paying attention. But that, that first stage boss, I and mean, when I first played that, I thought, crikey, if this is what the bosses are like, yeah. I'm not going to get very far. <laughs> It's essentially the same but, boss as the first boss from Shinobi as well, and I sort of saw it as the same thing. I think it's like yeah. look, get get your precision in in the, in the way that you can. But I do agree the the kind of relative difficulty of the bosses in the Mega Drive version pales in comparison to the challenge that you've got in the the arcade. In particular, the the sewer level where you've got that um, lady in a a kind of like a leotard flinging That's server really racks difficult. at you or something like this from yeah. a distance. It's just exceptionally hard to kind of get the time in there. And you, I saw it and I was like, yep, yeah, okay, well, this ends my run until I, I learn exactly what's going on here. And it took a good maybe three or four attempts from the start to be able to get there. But luckily, you know, the arcade version probably is a 15-minute game if you know what you're doing. It's just getting that 15 minutes down. <laughs> that's what that see that's yeah. that's the ben attitude it's just like how it's it's only 15 minutes long how hard can it be like that's not how it works <laughs> it's like saying rick dangerous is a 20 minute game yeah <laughs> good luck <laughs> uh battle in the railway loosely based on round two from the arcade version set on a bridge which leads to a railway the boss is called the mirage or cabay the wall a brick wall possessed by a <laughs> demon that can materialize into a face with a pair of arms who doesn't love a a boss based on a wall. <laughs> Brilliant. Makes me think of uh, Haunted Castle well, again. It must be. It must be. A, it must be a Japanese thing. I mean, look, we we did um, mm. Shinobi yeah. last year. We had that wall of like manji yeah. characters. We played through Final Fantasy has a wall. Indeed, Nia um, yeah. uh, has yeah. plenty of walls in there. I think that might might be something that's kind of maybe this Kabe thing is a is a. A legend, a story, a demon, one of their many, you know, myths Quite, and stuff yeah. that, that we don't know about. In which case... Like, like yeah, Flame hopefully. Wheels, indeed, which well, is the next indeed. boss. Yes, uh, yeah, so after the Statue of Liberty, uh, which is round three, set on a construction site, which leads to an elevator ride, a good old... Uh, I really associate those, particularly with Mega Drive games, elevator rides yeah, up and down. Streets of Rage. With, so this is without the satisfaction yeah. of being able to shoulder throw somebody off it, you know, oh, unfortunately. Yeah, every game should have that. Indeed. I don't care what the genre is. Uh, the boss... It's probably my favourite level in the Mega Drive game. That I, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, spectacle yeah. and some nice sprite art and pixel art and all that kind of thing. The boss is called Blade or Yaiba, the giant armour-clad woman armed with rolling buzzsaws on both of her hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, round four, In the Darkness, loosely based on stage 4.1 from the arcade version, set inside a dark cave. Uh, controversially, I might say, the boss is the Wheel of Fire, a Kuramabi, a flying spinning wheel with three fire-breathing faces. I definitely feel like we've seen lots of those in uh, Japanese video games over the years yeah. or, or variants mm-hmm. thereof. The... Dark cave bit uh, was not my favourite bit of game design in this. No. Um, not being able to see yourself or the enemies in a game with one hit kills. I'm going to say that's not cool. This is what I was saying about, you know, the lack of, and what Rich was saying initially about the lack of imagination as it goes on. I mean, it feels like they, it was a case of, you know, what what can we do, guys? We need to, we've got so many stages we need to fill up. I know. What, what if we turned out the lights? Yeah. <laughs> 
then we don't even have to worry about cool it. idea and and like i love the uh for example there's the dance floor bit in is it streets of rage three where the disco yeah. goes mad and all the lighting all changes and so it asks you to kind of keep your eyes on the ball while everything's moving about but obviously a that doesn't have one hit kills and b yeah. it's still lit up but here you are talking Obviously, the machine couldn't do transparencies other than kind of meshes and stuff like that. Maybe a mesh would have been fairer. Yeah. But even then, just like just to have actual pitch black. Uh, like, Did you find it difficult, though? I would say I not. Mean, that, uh, was, I, that was going to be my observation. I mean, I, mean, I died a few times. Yeah. Um, but then that's true of every single segment of the game. I'm, so I'm not sure if they... I don't. I don't really know. It's been a, a good week or so since I last did this, but I don't really... I didn't find it overtly difficult. But largely because no. I don't think there's that many enemies spawning within the darkness. So it was mostly just a, okay, you know, you got me. Now um, I'll basically just take a step and fire a shuriken and walk it onto screen. Yeah, I know where you are now. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. And then round five in the Mega Drive game, Union Lizard, set in the hideout of the enemy, of course, where the player proceeds through a series of six rooms, each populated by a specific enemy type. The sixth room is the lair of the final boss, Soros who will summon his minions of black ninjas to attack the player. Yeah, you, we already talked about this a bit, but yes, yeah, so the levels, uh, the, the level as such is is not anything to write home about. Although I, I will defend it ever so slightly because actually I like, I quite like the idea of rather than a boss rush, which is what they could have done, they gave you a kind of enemies in the game rush, which to me... I prefer because I generally prefer fighting the, the minions to the bosses. And so the idea of kind mm -hmm. of a challenge room where you sort of take everything you've learned about this particular enemy type and put it into action. I actually thought that was quite cool. I've quite, you know, I mean, other games have done it for sure. But um, but yeah, the actual kind of the as a as a spectacle, this level doesn't offer a great deal. Yeah. And it's a bit of a distillation of of this kind of like concept of like choreographing the level because yeah if you if you're not aggressive or you know what's coming or you know where to stand so you can basically land an attack yeah. as somebody drops into the the level and you don't knock them off the screen you, you're just going to get absolutely overwhelmed very quickly because mm. the boss has area of effect attacks that you, you just can't negotiate around so it was one of those situations where I, I have no qualms in admitting this i just saved scum my way through it because i was like absolutely not like there's no way i'm going to be doing this for the next hundred hours trying to work out exactly how it's done um yeah the the gauntlet that proceeds the final boss i did find I, I, yeah I, I i pretty much breeze through the mega drive on level one i could pretty much breeze through the mega drive game because i'd played the arcade game a lot before switching on the mega drive game so and although they are different mm. and mechanically they feel different the locomotion's different I think there are definitely transferable skills. Yeah, I agree. And in terms of how you approach it. So I could get through to that final stage gauntlet, but that, man, those rooms with the ninjas were absolutely yeah, yeah. kicking my behind. Yeah, yeah. Um, but once there is, a, so there is a little cheat for them. Yeah. And I told you guys in the Slack that if you, there's a combination of button presses that you do twice on the startup screen, which means that you can practice any of the non-boss levels. So... This, I managed to avoid using save states for my clear by making sure that I'd practiced a lot on the gauntlet yeah. and getting those cool. combinations of baddies down. But that final boss, blimey, mm. I mean, what a difficulty war that is. Yeah. That is really difficult, that. So the final boss in the arcade game I found pretty tough. Um, throws little mini ninjas at you, uh, which bounce about the screen. Yeah. Not so hard in themselves, but you 
you can't damage the boss for ages. Uh, so yeah. you're, you're in a kind of defensive. I, I did struggle with that. I mean, I felt like that was an over, yeah. like an unused sprite, and they're like, ah, just, just get that in the game somehow. You know, yeah. <laughs> we could animate a, an NG ball, but Chuck yeah, cuddly toys at us, <laughs> little mini ninjas uh, bouncing about. Well, she's there in her rainbow shield. And then once out, uh, it becomes, uh, I would say, a, a pretty uh, exacting hitbox challenge, Christ. which is uh, you're you're mm. you're trying to bait her into yeah. swiping, and then you have to remember whether she or which animation means she's going to swipe up or down. Yeah, and if and again, still one hit is death, uh, and you may or may not have any spare lives at this point. Uh, so if you're not using save states, I imagine it's extremely sweaty palm moments, but um, you can do two damage with, with the Ninpo that you get to take into the into the screen. I guess you do you get two if you've done a continue? So you can take four damage off that way. But we haven't we haven't spoken about this, have we? And mm. it's one of the concessions that the arcade game does give you in terms of difficulty is that you can end up with three Ninpos three. if you it, I think if you use more than three credits on a particular stage, which, huh. and it also reduces the life of the bosses as well. Mm. So you get to the point where you I can actually just, yeah, yeah, you can just nimpo your you way through the boss. three quarters of the health and then just hit the nimpo, like just to really kind of easily grab yeah. it off. Yeah, that, that was exactly the strategy that I took. I thought that was basically just common knowledge and, and not denigrate your intelligence there, Leon, but that's exactly <laughs> no, what I just I didn't know. But those um <laughs> those those nimpos are really nice looking. They remind an, another altered beast reference, you know, the kind of like um profile shot of um our, our ninja dude um coming up and uttering yeah, yeah. something completely inaudible before yes. magic comes about, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's one of the, it's it's one of those things, isn't that? And you know, when we look back now, we're twenty twenty three and we're playing this game. It's it's hard to be impressed by anything like that. But I imagine in nineteen eighty nine, you know, that close up of the ninja's oh, face yes. with the sample speech would have been really impressive. Incredibly so, yeah, yeah. I did want to, I, I wanted to impress that point as well because, yeah, obviously it doesn't not going to raise any young folks' needles at this point. But but rest assured that yes, any kind of screen filling graphic like that, yeah. With, special effects and speech samples and just seeing because we were so used to seeing everything up to this point like being represented by pretty tiny little sprites so even the the main sprites in the game and the dog would have would have you yeah. know looked pretty darn impressive at this point in fact i i seem to remember some people sort of saying actually the the kind of the action in shadow dancer is a bit zoomed in if anything yeah like in that there's a lack of lateral visibility and of course it's a game where you have to kind of sometimes basically take a almost a leap of faith up or down into the screen. Mm. There's these levels yeah. where, uh, and even some of the levels kind of take you the other way from from right to left at various points. And uh, so not being able to see much of what's around you is another thing to get tense about, even if the game doesn't usually punish you for it. But yeah, certainly the the visuals, the 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 attract sequence as well. You know, it's like yeah. it's really cool stuff. The full screen you know, graphics of this dog and, and stuff. Yeah. So it was, it was a huge problem. Just, I know we've segued a little bit, but it was a huge problem when they ported it, particularly to the micros. Yeah, of course. Because they, they tried to retain, you know, the large sprites, yeah. which are such a hallmark of the arcade game. Yeah. But what happens, of course, when they did that <laughs> is that they just can't move. <laughs> yeah. And, and particularly, I had a go at the Commodore 64 version, which actually doesn't even bother with the large sprites, right. the tiny sprites. Right. But crikey, I mean, if you think... If you think Joe or Hayate 
is slow in the arcade mm. version and the Mega Drive yeah. version. On the C64 port, he is. it's like he's out on a Sunday evening for a walk <laughs> with his dog. He barely moves across the screen. Just so cool. It's quite funny. Yeah. No, that was often the case, uh, as always, with these games. If you if you head on to YouTube, listener, and have that curiosity, uh, there are multiple version comparisons so you can see the, the pitfalls and perils of converting powerful arcade machines of the time onto little teeny 8-bit micros and things like that. We must mention the bonus stages. So the the bonus stage in uh, talking about giant things on the screen, we mentioned from Shinobi, the first game, that the 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 ninja who beat your bonus stage, ended it, was was pretty impressive and a little bit scary in the first game. This game, uh, well, these games, they've both taken a very different solution to the bonus stage, but almost opposite, but the same in that one you're shooting up and one you're jumping down and shooting down (laughs) so the arcade one uh, and this is the only way in which you can earn extra lives in the arcade machine i think yeah you don't get it for points yeah so this is it your your only option to earn extra lives one-ups there's no collectibles no points nothing like that is to complete bonus stages now the hitbox on your shuriken that you fire up the screen is pretty big so you can actually hit pretty much anything that's on the top you've got the tower and there's three layers of ninjas jumping down towards you you can hit pretty much anything on the top two layers without moving great then they arrive on the layer nearest to you and suddenly you have to zip left and right to take them out before they complete their animation which means they're going to stomp on your head uh i did complete one of these um but that's it so if i'd been banking on the extra lives i would have suffered did anyone master these or or just drop them all together no <laughs> simply simply put i mean I, so th- i don't want to digress slightly onto the the next part but i did i think the observation i would make is it did seem achievable um and seem fair you know there wasn't a sort of limitation of the sprites which made it feel like it was going to be insurmountable in the same way it did for the, the second uh omega drive mm. bonus stages but i'm sure we'll come to that when i get there I, I got to the point where I could do the first one. The first of the arcade bonus stages, seven out of ten. Yeah. I would say I would get I would do it and get an extra life. It's a pretty it's handy like, thing to be able to do. Well it's like the it's like the main game. It's it's exactly the same every single time. And you get to the point where you because it's after the first stage and pretty much every time you fire in a credit you, you get you get beyond that. You've seen it so many times that you know exactly where the which door they're gonna come yeah. out of at exactly what time. So you can telegraph it, you know, and then and then it becomes. It's still not easy because one false move when they appear down the bottom and and it's it's over. So you've got to be right on it. But again, it's it, you can learn it. I didn't get to the I didn't get to the other bonus stages often enough mm. to go. And I like Ben Ben's comment on the on the original Shinobi show mm. was that he would go make a brew. Now you haven't <laughs> yeah. got quite enough time to make a brew, but no. that is definitely the way to approach these bonus stages. So yeah, the men, the Mega Drive one is uh, you leap down from a high building. I don't know. I mean, the, let's not. We we haven't tried to justify any of this. Um, this is particularly daft. Uh, and <laughs> and at the same type. So it's kind of like a reverse hor- uh, vertically scrolling shoot 'em up. Um, there's actually a game I used to have on the Atari 8-bit called Caverns of Ereban, where you started <laughs> by 
flying from the top of the screen down to the bottom and then flying back up. And it reminded me of that a bit. The only thing is here, the it felt to me like the, the, the hitboxes were too small on these ones. Yep. So uh, it's like I could hammer the shuriken button or even use uh, an auto fire and it would still just miss uh multiple ninjas i think i think i got one again probably one all clear on this um if you get 50 ninjas you get three extra lives in the mega drive version you can get two for 49 one for 48 if you want bonus points which is what you'll generally get one to 47 ninjas but there's a little cheat which i didn't know about either until you mentioned this chris mm. what yeah what just do nothing why <laughs> P- well, pity? what were they thinking with this whole thing? I mean, it's just so silly. The whole cons- this whole bonus stage itself is just, you know, it's so ridiculously difficult to to hit them. And it, uh, what I mean, what what were they thinking? Yeah. <laughs> it is interesting you mentioned the hitbox because that might well be it. I mean, my rationale was I always felt like I was one less shuriken on the screen than I needed to be able to more effectively yeah. do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, that might well be on purpose. I'm. I'm um, See, I, f- I found that the best way to hit them was just don't move, just stay right yeah. in the middle and just hammer the shuriken. Yeah. But I could never take, I think the most was probably a 45. Mm. And that just felt pure luck. It wasn't any skill. Yeah, I say, like, when I finish this, you always finish this. Um, but I think, yeah, one time I got like mid 40s or whatever, enough for a, maybe 48, one enough for a one up or something like that. But fortunately, the game is actually. Uh, not overall ungenerous with the one-ups i wouldn't have said no 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 so no. you can end up with a lot of lives there's lizard coins dotted around the levels which are revealed at various points and uh one one or two of them are quite difficult to collect but some of them you can just yeah add to your add to your total of lives and the ones that are more difficult to collect normally give you two lives as well right right yeah the one on the bridge for instance yeah. where you have to drop down you know between the guys that are shooting ah, yeah that'll give you two lives <laughs> i think by the time i got to stage five i was on about 12 lives right yeah yeah i think i had 10 or 11 at the end i think uh apologies i think i forgot to we forgot to talk about our experiences with the final boss on the md version <laughs> uh which is rich can't wait to talk yeah about yeah 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 it sucked i mean it, it's just um <laughs> there's too much going on it's it it seems to be time dependent basically is the observation that i would make like the ninjas would come in at specific points in the the battle and you had a very specific amount of time to take them up before the boss came in and, and and made the screen like a screen clearing ability that you had i think it was just like a pillar of fire that you needed to move between so you know all in all not unachievable but it was just a bit a bit more of the kind of like very intense rote memorization you needed to essentially knock the enemies into the center of the room because if they went out of the the, the bounds then they would sausage roll through so it was very difficult to kind of anticipate what was coming next and of course it was the enemies that also do damage when they're jumping on top of you so not oh, being yeah. able to kind of duck mm-hmm. um an attack felt like very problematic to me in, in that area but the the one thing as i would say is it's not like the the final boss itself is a massive sponge of hit points it's fairly reasonable when you He's know got what you're six, doing six i yeah. think hasn't he on level one but um a bit of a blight and an otherwise kind of fairly kind of I wouldn't say easy, but manageable um, select, like mm. selection of bosses in the rest of the game. Yeah, standard final boss fare for the era. But the the problem that I had with it, I think principally was, and I could, I could be wrong about this, but the, the black ninjas that spawn when you're fighting him, they do that, you've just mentioned that roll attack, they do mm. rich. Yeah. 
you don't fight many of those black ninjas throughout. In fact, I think the only time you do is on that final room of the gauntlet that leads to the final yeah. boss. Do they ever do that roll attack? No, I think Not that's just for your final boss benefits. <laughs> I mean, you, you, I mean, you can just jump over it and they just roll off screen. The gun, but again, you have to know exactly which ninjas are going to do that yeah. roll attack in which direction and exactly when to jump. All the while dodging his blooming things that fall, you know, the mm. fire. That it's really, really. And every difficult. time you jump in, is time that you're not killing, which is a problem, I think. In that, I mean. Exactly. Maybe it is manageable to essentially crowd control the enemies, but the way that I had to do it was basically nuke them as quickly as possible and, and try and get rid of them in preparation for the, the boss opening up his helmet and yeah. doing some damage. There is one, there's one, or there might be two, just next to one of the pillars is a place where you can stand where you're guaranteed to be safe from the things that are falling mm, from, yes. from whatever, yeah. wherever they're falling from. And it... The, I found that the secret was is to making sure that you'd got rid of enough of the ninjas that you could get yourself into that little safe spot and then you have enough time to hit him twice. And then there's one, because they keep cycling round, every time he closes his helmet, the ninjas will come back again. I think there's one point when you end up spawning about six black ninjas at once. Yep. And that's when I had to use the Nimpo. And thankfully, I managed to do that while he had his helmet open and that killed him. That was... And it was a case of, I've rolled the credits, take a photograph, I'm probably never going to do that again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, th- I think if there is, obviously we, we've sort of alluded to multiple aspects of, of the design philosophy to both of these games that are called Shadow Dancer. But if, yeah, if there's one kind of key tenet that prevails, I suppose it is the uh, finding us a, a relatively small hitbox in a relatively small timing window. That's kind of your, that's boiling it right down. And yes, yeah. your lesson for this uh, on this particular Kane and Rinse podcast listener is old games had really hard mean bosses. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. they did. Yeah. And some <laughs> new games as well. Also learned from watching uh, proper players of this game, good players, is that uh, if you want to be really good at Shadow Dancer because, uh, and you're not finding it challenging enough already, uh, if you want to do a score attack, the only real way to do it well to try and challenge those uh, world record leaderboards is to melee attack everybody. Yeah. Get up close and slice them because your shurikens, of which you do have an infinite, unlimited number, uh, are almost considered to be like a lesser way of dealing with enemies, but yeah. um, but frankly, uh, yeah, I'm quite happy to 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 be um, dirty and slice them down from afar. That said, the the melee attack, as with as with the game's predecessor, does come in handy in certain situations. And in the Mega Drive version, of course, in the options, you can turn on no shuriken mode, That's right. which stop. Stops you from firing a shuriken by mistake, which, no, don't get me wrong, I've never tried the arcade game without trying to fire shurikens, but it did strike me that if you were going for a melee-only run, how annoying would it be you get to the end and you just inadvertently, you're just not close enough and you've fired a shuriken? And that reminds me, uh, because somebody, after our Shinobi podcast, somebody pointed out to me that the Switch Sega Ages version of Shinobi does allow you to do exactly the same thing. So that's where oh, they got cool. that origin, uh, the, uh, that that option from. Its origins yeah. in Mega Drive Shadow Dancer. Um, yeah, it does make sense. Yeah. So if you want to, there's, I think there's three difficulty settings on 
Secret of Shinobi, aren't there? Shadow Dancer. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what they... Do you know what they... Is it enemy damage or does it alter the layouts of the levels or the enemies in any way? Or is it... Is it it's hard to... How do they make this game harder? So it's quite considerable on the Mega Drive version. It's the considerable differences. So it, it, there's just more enemies. Wow. And the, so, yeah, I mean, there's just more enemies on screen. They, they, the enemies all behave, the existing enemies all behave in the same way, but there are just more of them. Goodness me. Yeah. And but, I mean, you, turn it's Shurikens funny you off. say that. Be, I mean, I've, yeah, level three and Shuriken's office would be the ultimate challenge. Yeah. But I actually found the Mega Drive version, I, leaving aside the, the final boss, I actually found the Mega Drive version, if anything, a little bit too easy. You know, do you know, like because it's not a long game, no. and again, you're thinking of you know you've gone you've gone and spent your forty pounds on on a brand new Mega Drive card yeah, in 1991. Absolutely, it's not it's not a terribly difficult game mm. until you get to that final boss, which is really difficult. Mm. The only thing it the only thing the difficulties do to the bosses is they increase the number of hit yeah. points. So on level three. The final boss has ten, <laughs> right? But you've learned it by then, so it's, oh, it's it's just a matter of staying, doing what you do for longer and staying alive longer. Yeah, I think level two is the sweet spot in terms of okay. the in terms of the overall levels. I think level two makes the the Mega Drive levels really enjoyable. There's just enough challenge, still doable, but you will definitely lose lives throughout. I think that is the sweet for me anyway. It's the sweet mm. spot in terms of challenge. I'll go back and 1cc that after the show. No problem. Of course you will. No problem. Shuriken's off. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there were some home micro conversions, as was so often the case, developed uh, by or published by US Gold, developed by a team called Images, who possibly went on to or members of went on to become one of the various development teams called Climax. Yeah, I'm not certain about that, but I, I did see that maybe some links, and I think Climax were the, the the British Climax, I think, or Western Climax rather than the Japanese one. Uh, that I think yeah. they were responsible for Silent Hill Origins on the PSP, which we covered some time ago. So there may be some DNA in there, but I'm not certain. Mm. Um, they released it for Amiga ST, Amstrad CPC, C64, and ZX Spectrum, the big big six, 16 and 8 bit home computers of the time. And yeah, the reviews weren't horrific at all. Uh, US Gold had an extraordinarily patchy record, to be kind, with their home <laughs> arcade game conversions. They released a lot of what we would kindly call absolute garbage. But they also <laughs> sometimes, uh, they also, they, they, were, they were occasionally, they would hand the game to the right team, give them long enough yeah. to do it. And they would come up with a really decent version, like Gauntlet, that being a good example. They got uh, some talented guys at Gremlin Graphics to make uh, to make a cracking conversion of Gauntlet, particularly the Spectrum version. But the other versions weren't too bad either. And generally now, if you watch kind of retro channel YouTube videos, you see only scorn for home micro games of the uh, of the era um, in many cases, obviously particularly when it comes to to arcade conversions and yeah but but often there were there were mitigating circumstances around the design such as the team never having played the arcade machine or certainly not having access to one however crash and your sinclair gave the spectrum version of shadow dancer 77 percent and 85 percent respectively 
Not too bad. And Zap 64. 1991, though, Leon. I mean, they yeah. must have been fawning over any releases. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean it, it's incredible that they were still releasing commercial games yeah. for those systems in 1991. Yeah, it lasted another couple of years, I think, on the 8-bits, just because they were so heavily installed, in, particularly in UK homes, that, yeah. Um, and, yeah, the C64 got a version, as you say. Zap64 was uh, reviewing both Amiga and C64 games at this point, but um, I think the 83% was probably for the Amiga version, the one that you fondly remember, Chris. Uh, it cannot it cannot be. <laughs> yeah. for, you know, I, yeah. I play a lot of 8-bit games, yeah. and there is nothing, nothing. The, uh, in fact, no, I'll tell a lie. The, the, there is one redeeming thing about the mm. C64 version. It won't surprise people to know. It's the title ah. music. Um, yeah. which which is which is actually quite nice and there's two there's two there's kind of it's like a multi-load um i'm 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 just so there's two sid tracks right. on on the t- on you strangely get sort of one title screen which runs through the various stages and then it loads again and then you get the genuine cool and the press fire to start screen is the game a multi-load as well uh well i i was the the rom i had was the this version so oh, okay. and that did kind of strangely multi-load mm. um i don't know whether there was a, i assume there was a take version i assume Probably. it was a multi-load yeah. yeah but just knowing game music and but a couple of nice but other than that it is uh this there is nothing redeeming about the c64 port it's yeah, yeah. not great the one for amiga though also uh gave it an 80 percent which uh it it doesn't hold up in my opinion as i said i've yeah. got very fond memories of the amiga port and it was the only one i knew back in the day the dog but looks a bit rubbish, so... I've got to say. Yeah, I mean, and that's stodgy, stodgy controls. And... Yeah, typical. Yeah. Speaking typical of rubbish, US gold Leon, um, mm. the Amstrad CPC um, version, oh. notable in its absence from this review list. I, I can't imagine it would have uh, done favourably. Couldn't find in, any. Uh... There weren't many Amstrad magazines left by this point. <laughs> Quite. I mean, it, it's, it's woeful. It really is <laughs> awful. Um, runs the same at as a the Spectrum version, four frames uh, a second or something like that. Oh, okay. It's, it's yeah, typically. So it was the same code base as the Spectrum version, yeah, that's right. but more colours and runs slower is kind of the standard thing. Uh, I think we've mentioned before that the Amstrad got three that I can recall absolutely astonishing arcade ports for the time, which was Contra, Ikari Warriors, and Renegade where in all all three of those cases, the Amstrad version was considered to be the apex of home micro versions. Uh, None of them would probably stand up now, but um, but generally, yeah, it would be the same Z80 code as the Spectrum, but prettier looking in screenshots, but less fun to play. I would would give an honourable mention to the Specky, you know, the humble Specky, because it's, yeah, I mean, it's not great by any means, but it's all there. And actually, the, the as so often the case with the Specky, you know, the, it is monochrome, but the sprites actually are really nicely drawn, and the game is the game is yeah okay, it doesn't it doesn't move particularly well, and sending the dog in to attack the baddies is is a bit pitiful, uh, and let's not even talk about what happens when you press the spacebar to use <laughs> the the Nimpo because that's that's slightly embarrassing. But it, it, it's the game is all there. Whereas the C sixty four version is completely different. They haven't even got the level layout right. Um, I did read somewhere, and I was trying to find this again, but I, I couldn't. But I did read somewhere that, like you said earlier, the teams that did work on these various ports, neither none of them were sent the arcade nope. game to play. No. They were only sent videos of of yeah. the game. Crazy in it, and yeah, if they could find an arcade machine nearby, they would 
sometimes actually just go and play it in the yeah. arcades. But yeah, it's ridiculous. It was different times. Uh, yes. No parallax scrolling on the C64 either, which was obviously, uh, it, it was a machine that was perfectly capable of parallax scrolling, but it sounds like uh, that was beyond either the coders or the or the coders within the amount of time they had. Who knew the inspiration for the character Shadow and his dog in Final Fantasy 3 came from Shadow Dancer, according to Moby Games. Citation needed, but I'm going to believe it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Our one three-word review for Shadow Dancer is from Mr. Ixalite, who says, Brittle Ninja Adventure. Sounds about right. <laughs> he certainly is. Uh, I mean, I suppose getting sliced with a sword is probably going to kill you. You know, it's just realistic, isn't it? <laughs> right. So let's summarize our feelings on these two or two and a bit. If you want to sort of bundle in your feelings towards any 8-bit versions as well. Uh, Shinobi Games, the second in the series, I think. <laughs> I'm, I'm now hedging my bets as to whether this was the second yeah, or the Super Shinobi. But anyway, we'll be covering that one later in the year. Uh, let's start with uh, Rich. You obviously had some issues. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess, like, you know, talking about it, it's probably kind of taking the edge a little bit away from, from some of my thoughts. I was ready to come in here and just sort of take a scalpel to the game and eviscerate some some bits and pieces. But actually, in in hindsight, really, you know, this is a very attractive game to see. And in fact, actually, both of them are very attractive in their own ways. Um, the sound, while cacophonous, kind of did it it did put me in mind of of what an arcade might look like then so i was very kind of forgiven of that um and actually you know just in terms of playing it it, it feels good to play there's there's quite a lot of enjoyment to have but actually i think really where my problem is it, it's not a very pleasant game to study because the more you try and unpick it um in an effort to kind of put together some coherent thoughts for a, a podcast like this it, it falls apart and it sort of pales in comparison to its um predecessor in my opinion shinobi you know like it lacks a little bit of some of that kind of quirk um some of the kind of creative freedom that they might have been able to exercise as part of um the first one which is probably a very liberal way of saying um litigious activity with regards to kind of cribbing from <laughs> pop songs or uh famous artists work um but ultimately it, it's a fairly pleasant game to play if provided you, you you know you're prepared to, to sort of approach it with the right spirit and and meet the challenges in the way that it's intended to be it's not a long game in essence but obviously it's kind of required to, to sort of bed in some of the rote memorization that we've talked about there so if you've got the time and the patience then i, I do recommend them but you really need to be in the right frame of mind um I still think I might return to it, to be honest with you, because there's quite a lot to like about what's here. I know that there's definitely room for improvement for me to kind of get better at this game than than what I have been. Um, but I don't know, like it, it was quite an unpleasant experience trying to prepare for this podcast and, and I can't really hide <laughs> from that. that. So yeah, <laughs> um, recommend, but with a lot of caveats. I think that's where I land. Fair enough. Yeah, I have a slightly weird overall feeling towards Shadow Dancer in that, as listeners will know, regular listeners, that I adore a lot of old video games, arcade games from the era. And Shadow Dancer is one that I've never had a huge amount of kind of personal affection for. It's one I only ever dabbled with briefly, um, never pursued the Mega Drive version, have had access to that version on various compilations over the years and barely touched it, uh, which is interesting in itself. There's something that 
just I bounced off of it for whatever reason, never playing more than a few moments. Um, maybe it was just the uh, the one hit kills after after playing Revenge of Shinobi and and getting a life bar. Um, obviously, the the limitation on your powers in that one by default is that you have limited shuriken, whereas in this one you have unlimited, and that obviously makes a difference. Um, I like dogs, and I thought the dog was cool, but not as cool in practice as in concept uh, for the most part. Although, yes, absolutely essential to, as Chris says, sort of solve the puzzles of various levels. I still like the the fundamental feel of, of Shinobi and these types of games, whether it be Rolling Thunder or eSWAT, that kind of leaping up from one uh, level of the screen to another and going jumping behind fences and all that kind of stuff. This uh, almost semi-pseudo 2.5D stuff that these games do and the verticality that that they can add with uh with scaling giant bridges and things like that and that kind of kind of cheesy 80s march through a kind of nonsensical scenario of ninjas diffusing bombs against terrorists and various multicolored enemies and things like that but yeah the the bosses uh generally would take a lot of learning more time than I would be kind of prepared to give them in this day and age when there are games that perhaps have a, a more accessible approach to, to difficulty and things like that. But overall, yeah, the actual moment to moment, especially the first few levels of both games, I find perfectly pleasant and fun. Talking about, you were saying about kind of the boredom of, of re, replaying level one over and over again. I suppose the thing was that in in the arcade version's case, you generally wouldn't go to the arcades more than maybe once a week or twice a week or yeah, something like it. that. So, yeah. so the boredom of playing level one over and over again didn't really sink in in quite the same way. Yeah. Um, yeah so, yeah. yeah. And as I say, with the arcade machine in mind, obviously you can play it on, on MAME or another emulator, but actually it's uh, other than the Astro City Mini, which is not cheap, there's no kind of official way to play it in the modern era. Unlike the Mega Drive version, which is, yeah, I think overall a more accessible game, uh, a more challenging game in the sense that it's not harder but it 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 is it is still tough but it will ask that you finish it you'll want to see what the next level has in store and things like that and then probably give up at the final boss but anyway yeah uh it's not like a it's not it's not a strong don't recommend or a strong recommend it's just a this is another cool game that i'm glad we gave some coverage to um and if you want to play the whole shinobi series you kind of got to have a look at it. Um, I think they, you could make a really, really cool modern game using a, sh yeah. a ninja yeah. and a dog mechanically in a in yeah. a 3D space with uh, with you know modern mechanics and double or triple A sensibilities and things like that. But um, mm. but obviously this is thirty whatever years old, so go in advisedly. Let's conclude with Chris. <laughs> So I often think, why why do we still play 35-year-old arcade games? And I always think there's probably one of three reasons. One is that they genuinely do hold up as really great games, which some of them do. Another is that you were there at the time and you've got some nostalgia for them. And probably the third is that you know, you're interested in how video games have evolved or you're interested in how a series have evolved. And I think you can probably exclude the first one definitely exclude the first one for Shadow Dance. So you're probably gonna come at it from one of the one of the other two. 
it it is it's, it's a difficult game i think to really fall for in this day and age there's still a lot of fun to be had particularly in those first two stages but what i would say to anybody who's coming as shadow dancer cold is do do persevere because i think there is this is the arcade game do persevere because i think there is a really good fun to be had but but please don't do what we've done in in <laughs> just doing whatever it takes to see it through to the end i mean that we're here for you and this this issue is here for you for that but i would say when you get to the point where you've hit the wall and you feel like you just can't go any further probably put it down at that point and walk away from it because had i done that i would have walked away from shadow dance of the arcade game thinking that was really good fun you know that was good i really enjoyed it i, I was you know used i thought the dog mechanic was really cool it was i was it was essential for me to solve the puzzles and, and as i said earlier it's what elevates shadow dancer for me over the original shinobi despite the fact that i agree with what rich said in that the original shinobi definitely has a charm which is probably lacking from this so that's what i would say in the arcade game is is give it a go i mean i still think there's a game there that's worth seeing it probably isn't seminal well it it definitely isn't seminal because it doesn't do all that much different to what the original did but you get to that difficulty spike drop it there walk away from it don't don't power through it really isn't worth it the mega drive version i actually think really does hold up as a, as as a solid game today i think it's more enjoyable overall i think some of the set piece levels later on are really cool okay maybe the the lights off in the cave doesn't quite work maybe wouldn't have worked back in the day mm. But it make it's memorable, and I think there's uh, the the elevator level is memorable, and I think there's definitely there's definitely a lot there that I will certainly take away from that and think, yeah, that was really cool. And I'm even though the Revenge of Shinobi came out on the Mega Drive earlier, it's really wet my appetite for playing more console Shinobi, which is a good job because there's no no other arcade games in the in yeah. the series. Yeah. The only thing, and what I would say on the Mega Drive version as well, is despite the, the horrible difficulty spike on the final boss. The, the 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 changeable difficulty in the three difficulties definitely gives it longevity as well. And I think I, mean, I got to the final boss a couple of times on level two, and I think with a bit more perseverance, I could have done it. And, and, and because you can get through those earlier stages much quicker with plenty of lives intact, the boredom just didn't set in in the same way for me. So for me, the, the Mega Drive version absolutely, I think, still stands up with, with other Mega Drive games of the time, and I would recommend it. The arcade game is a bit more of a difficult sell. Hmm. But I think if you've got access to the Astro City Mini or you do fancy firing up on MAME, it's definitely worth a look. Brilliant. Yes, another curious game covered in the imperfect but interesting format of this podcast. Uh, it just remains for me, Leon, to thank Chris Rich, Editor Jay, our correspondent, singular. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Exolite. <laughs> and of course, you for listening. Don't forget, you can contribute to future shows. If you head over to the forum or look out for the post on Patreon, if you support us there very kindly. Next time, in issue 555, we're going to be talking about Condemned 2 Criminal Origins. 